Look what Jeremiah says. I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, to give you a hope and a future. How many of you have come this morning saying, I don't know if I feel like there's a hope and a future. I feel like my need to go to the eye doctor and get my eyes reexamined because my vision has diminished and it's very difficult for me to see. Living favor-minded means living in the power and in the presence of God Almighty in and through His grace, realizing that we cannot do anything on our own. It's only through Him that we get all power, we get all authority, we get all grace. It's His, unfavored, it's his unmerited favor and His grace that He bestows upon us because of our faithfulness and obedience to Him, because He did it on the cross. And that was the beginning of a beautiful story. This morning, I want to talk to you about enlarging your vision and living favor-minded. We've come to church today a little blurred. I think in America we're a little blurred. I don't think we can see as clearly as we ought to see. I think as a church, we have a blurred vision. I think some of our lenses are scratched. I wanted to grab some of my old glasses and just come up here and just step on them and crunch them into a million pieces and then try to put them back on. But I think just by me telling you that, you guys can get the vision. It'd be very difficult to see, right? Very difficult for God to do something. I was walking this morning about 6.30, 7 o'clock, spending some quiet time with the Lord. And uh, in regard to enlarging my vision and enlarging the church's vision, but living in the ultimate wonderful grace of God. How many of you would say this morning that, yes, I want to live in God's grace? Amen. How many of you would say that I would like to, to see God clearly, much more clear? I think we would all say that. If you came to church today to be a scorekeeper, there's the door. So, it's the Word, and we're going to learn it today. And I'm thankful for His powerful Word. I don't even know where I'm going with this message today, because as I was on that walk, I'm like, Lord, what are you trying to do to me? You're changing some things up here. But He's in control, and so I surrender to that control, and surrender to that power, and let Him do His work today. I loved, as I was walking, just being able to turn on my Bible on my iPhone and being able to listen to God's Word quoted. And uh, as I said last week, Alistair Begg has that wonderful English tone to his voice, and so they can speak it very clearly. And uh, I don't have that, but I guess if I went to Scotland or somewhere like that, they'd probably hear me talk like this, like I hear him talk like this. Is that true? I don't know. I know that the Canadians have told me before, wow, your voice is different. I'm like, A, and yours is too. So it's wonderful to hear God's word. Try it sometime. Just take, spend some time and let somebody else read it to you and, and just saturate your soul in God's word. And it'll move you. I heard a story about a man on vacation in Hawaii with his wife. He was a good man who had achieved a modest measure of success, but he was coasting along, thinking that he had already reached his limits in his life. One day, a friend was driving the couple around the island, showing them the sights 
They stopped to admire a gorgeous house set on a hill. The property was replete with beautiful palm trees and lush green gardens and a picturesque, peaceful setting with a panoramic view overlooking the ocean. As the man gazed at the magnificent home, he commented to his wife and to his friend, I can't even imagine living in a place like that. Right there, there was something that he said. And there was something inside him that said this. Don't worry, you won't. You will never live in a great place like that. Startled at his own thoughts, he asked himself, well, what do you mean? As long as you can't imagine it, as long as you can't see it, then it is not going to happen for you. The man correctly realized that his own thoughts and attitudes were condemning him to mediocrity. He determined then and there to start believing better of himself. And believing better of God. It's the same way with us. We have to conceive it on the inside before we're ever going to receive it on the outside. If you don't think you can have something good, then you never will. The barrier is in your mind, and it's not God's lack of resources or your lack of talent that prevents you from prospering. Your own wrong thinking can keep you from God's best. We have to conceive it on the inside before we're ever going to receive it on the outside. Last evening within our community, we had a wonderful, uh, it was a few houses down. A lot of the, the young families got together and we fellowshiped and, you know, got to know one another a little bit better. There's a couple that's directly, if, if I'm in my house right to the left, there's a couple, Tony and Kelly, that live there. And they've had quadruplets. So they prayed that God would bless them with a child. They did the artificial insemination, so on and so forth. And as I was talking to them last night, there was a pondering thought that came to me as they were sharing some stories. And there was one that I stopped them and I repeated what he said to me. Here's what he said. We were slightly horrified at the thought of having quadruplets. Remember, we had no children. And so to think of quadruplets was really way out of our frame of reference and thought and so on and so forth, which would be all of us, especially if you have no children and you're not even used to diapering that baby and taking care of them like that. But here's what he said the doctor said to him. I need to talk to you about something serious. I want you to realize that there can be complications with four little babies. Some of those four may come out deformed, may come out not being able to, uh, to walk or maybe talk. There might be one that might not come out alive. You need to prepare yourself. And as Tony was telling me, I kind of watched Kelly from across in the kitchen she made this, you know, she just kind of looked and he, he made the comment. But I kind of noticed even this just resonated with her. He said, I cannot really speak for my wife, but there is something that I can say. This is how she felt. I am going to have four healthy babies. I am going to take care of myself. Because God gave me these Four little babies. I said, Tony, stop. So I looked at I said, Did, is that what you said? She goes, yeah. 
I said, so you determined the outcome by your faith? And she's like, well, now he's becoming to some deep, deep theological message here that she's probably like, wow, I thought this was just a get together. Now I've gone to a Bible study. And she's like, well, yeah, I said, man, that's amazing because you enlarged your vision. You didn't just say, I'm going to settle with mediocrity. You said, I'm going to achieve four healthy babies and I'm going to determine that. I'm going to pray about it. And this is what I'm going to do. I know everything that I should do and I'm going to take care of myself. He said, do you know every year we go to two benefits? As we see triplets, quadruplets, five tets, six tets, seven tets, a bunch of telets and all that kind of stuff. I don't know how they all octavets and all that kind of stuff. I don't know. <laughs> Whatever that number is. <laughs> and, uh, and I wasn't talking Corvettes. But he said, you know what's amazing is that we'll go there and it saddens me because I look at all four of my babies and they're healthy. And he said, I've seen some where they have to wear a helmet because their brain is swelling and they've got complications. I said, but both of you had faith and you believed in that faith. The Bible says if we have faith as the size or as the grain of mustard seed, we can move mountains. Church, we're not moving anybody. We're not doing anything. We're not changing the course of history because we as Christians live a life of mediocrity. If we have to conceive it on the inside, we must conceive it on the inside before we're going to receive it on the outside. Woe is me. I have the worst luck. I know he doesn't like me. I know she hates this color. My hair is ugly. She, he will not like it. I'm too fat. I'm too skinny. I hate my job. It's the worst, etc. And it goes on. Kids at school say, I, they don't like me. They're not fond of me. Well, you too may have assumed that you're, you've already peaked. That you've reached your limits in life. That you will never be more successful. I'll never achieve significance, do something meaningful, or enjoy the good things in life that I've seen others enjoy. Sad to say, you're exactly right. And I, I will not live a life of mediocrity. Lady said to me once, the YMCA sure serves a great purpose. Why do we need a church building? Well, can I ask you, church, a question? The YMCA is not open and available on a Wednesday night. Are you thankful for the Awana program? We've been able to do outreaches. We've been able to do some things. And I looked right at her and I said, I'm not going to live a life of mediocrity. God has some great things in store for me. I'm not sitting on my bum waiting for God to do something. He called me to do a work. And if I listen to all the gainsayers, naysayers, oh no sayers, I hope so sayers, We'd still be on a deck. But I know from that moment when God called me to get up from the carpet from praying that God had a work. And praise God that souls have been saved and lives have been changed because you can't have a life of mediocrity and say that you're a Christian. But pastor, prove it, I will. Hebrews chapter 11, if you will, please. Hebrews chapter 11.
We're going to start in verse 1, and I want to emphasize this verse. I love Hebrews chapter 11. If you're wondering about what the Bible really says about faith in our Christian life, this is it. Just read this every day and you'll be moved. It's like going to a museum and being able to walk through the Hall of Fame and realize that God did so many things. Take, take one verse at a time. Take one story at a time and you'll go back to your life going, wow, God works through His man. God works through individuals. God wants to anoint those that are surrendered and called. Verse 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. But go to verse 6. It says, But without faith it is impossible to please Him, for he that cometh to God must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. Faith affects the possessor. You with me? Faith affects the possessor. If you have faith on an individual basis, then God is ready and willing to do a work in and through you. Why are we realizing that it's up to somebody else? I love what that means and I love what it says. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Substance. There's something there. It's tangible. It's reachable. And then it says, then we see evidence of it. Do we know the bigger picture of what God's going to do? No, thank God. I'm not God. I'm Todd. None of us do. You don't in your own life. God wants to do something great in and through you. He wants to enlarge your vision. He wants you to become greater and bigger within your Christian reference and influence and not lean on your husband, not lean on your wife, but he wants you to lean on him. That's where it comes from. Leaning on Almighty God. Learning to lean. Learning to lean. I've learned to trust in him. I've learned to lean on Jesus. I'm going to have a word of prayer with you. And I have this little video that I was kind of inspired by. And you're going to laugh, but some of you will love it because you love Errol from Little Mermaid. But I want you to listen to the song. And I'm going to reference it today. And this is for some of you young people that love the Little Mermaid. But I want you today to not give up. Not lose sight, but to have faith. Father, we come to you today. Lord, just a vessel hiding behind the cross, the mouthpiece and the speaker for what you once said. And so, God, speak through me today. Let your word not come back void, but may it prosper. And Father, we thank you for your holy word. And Lord, teach us, convict us, and direct us. In your name we pray. Amen. What would I give to live where you are? What would I pay to stay here beside you? 
Strains on my blood pressure, don't you? Girl, rescued me. She, she was singing. She had the most beautiful voice. Ah,、uh, Eric, I think you swallowed a bit too much seawater. Off we go. <laughs> we just want to forget this whole thing ever happened. The Sea King will never know. You won't tell him. I won't tell him. I will stay in one piece. I don't know when. I don't know how. But I know something's starting right now. Watch and you'll see. Someday I want to be part of your world. Do you know the whole the whole premise to that cartoon is she wanted to live up on land. She pictured it, she believed it, and she said, "I want to be part of your world." She no longer wanted to be a mermaid. She wanted to have legs, and she wanted to experience life like human beings. Kind of reminds me, and and you're like, "Well, Pastor, how are you going to pull this one together?" It reminds me of our own Christian life. I don't want to be a part of this world. I want to be a part of His world, and I've come to the reality that it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what I think or what I do. What matters mostly is that it's about God. And as I was studying last evening and taking my walk through this morning, my prayer is: I wish I could be part of Your world. Has that been? Kind of the premise to your life. Have you said I want to be part of your world? Have you said, you know what? I know that God, you have put within me the seed of Abraham, and I want to be part of your world. I want to be more like you. We lack in our faith and in our trust in Him. I want you to notice in Hebrews chapter eleven. It says. That in verse seven, by faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, he was moved with fear. Now, here's when we're talking about faith, we do things every day because we fear because we don't see something. It's difficult to walk. Into a room that's pitch black that you're not comfortable with, and even if you are comfortable with it, you want to see where you're going and what's lying before you. Would you agree? I think that I love what it said here. Noah was being warned of God things not seen as yet, but he was moved with fear. 
He was moved with reverence. You see, when you can't see something, now you're fully relying on God and not on your own self-will. But yet what I loved that Noah did, he moved out of reverence for God. He moved because he realized that he can't do it on his own. It was faith. It was favor. But wait a minute. That's like right in the beginning of the Bible. I mean, we're talking about Genesis, and I know, you know, the flood came, and that's an exciting story. But I'm going to show you today that had he not been reverent towards God Almighty, had he not feared what God had for him, what would have happened? They would have drowned. But he listened to the voice of God. Are you listening to the voice this morning? Have you grabbed a hold of what God wants for your life? Now, I'd like to take you from there, and I want you to turn with me all the way back to the beginning in Genesis chapter 6. In Genesis chapter 6, It said in the rest of the verse, though, in Hebrews 11, it said, He prepared an ark to the saving of his house by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. By which he condemned the world and he became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. How many of you agree that being a Christian is living a faith-filled life? Amen? Let me hear you say amen. Amen. So, he said he became heir of righteousness, which is by faith. And I know that the scripture verse before that says, you know, that if we're to please God, we must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder to them that diligently seek him. Have you given up on him yet? Are you still seeking him? Are you still seeking his face? Are you just coming to church because someone's making you? I really had a lot of respect for a lot of pastors around the world that pastor 12 and 15 people. Because I guess if those 12 or 15 people are really there to hear God's word, then that's important. So I see it here that, you know what, without faith it's impossible to please him. And I know that I want to please God. And I know that's the premise to, to my life. I mean, that's my motto. Live by faith. But it says that diligently seek Him. Why is it we give up, church? We have given up in the middle of the battle. We've given up in the middle of the fight. You have just laid down and said, I'm no longer going to seek your face. I'm no longer going to allow you to be a part of my life because I want the here and now. We all, that's our, I think our sinful nature just to want to give up. But I love the story where Noah was such a man who was called, but also known as a righteous man who was honored of God. Verse 1 in Genesis chapter 6, verse 1, it says, And it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were fair and they took them wives of all which they chose. The Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive, 
That word strive would actually mean abide with man for that he is also is flesh. Yet his days shall be a hundred and twenty years. There were giants. You know, in the scripture, this is kind of a moving. Giants referenced to sons of God would mean fallen angels or fallen ones. So that's a pondering thought. It says there were giants in earth those days and also that. After that, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men, and they bare children to them, that the same became mighty men, which were of old men of renown. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart." Isn't it a pondering thought that we're in Genesis chapter 6 and God's already disappointed with man? Because sin already started and it fell upon man. And it said here that it grieved him within his heart. Wow. And here's what God said. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and the creeping thing, and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. The word repenteth means, for I am sorry I made them. Isn't that a pondering thought? So here we are. God is looking down upon the earth. He is seeing the destruction of mankind those that are given to the lust of their flesh and to the pride of life, and now he's saying, you know what, I'm going to destroy all of it. Because they're a self-centered, lustful, greedy people. And so this is what takes place. But in verse 8 it says, But Noah found grace in the favor or in the eyes of the Lord. Do you know that word grace actually is the first occurrence in the Bible? For by grace are you saved. We realize as New Testament believers, it's by the grace of God that we're saved. We believe on Him. That's the first occurrence. And then he continues, well, let me just stop there. I love its root meaning to bend or stoop, which is implying the condescending or unmerited favor of a superior person to an inferior one. That Noah had to bend or stoop to the inferior one, which is who? Who's the inferior one? God. Let me help you out here. So he found favor with God because he yielded his spirit to God. Verse 9, it says, These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man. Noah was a righteous man and perfect That word perfect actually interpreted means blameless in his generations. And Noah walked with God. We all know there was a time and a place where he accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Then you became his child. Then you started this journey to live a righteous life before him or you should be. Because our churches now are not preaching against sexual immorality. 
They're not preaching against sin because God forbid the offerings will go down and tithes will go out the window and we'll lose bodies. But it says here, but you must grow. So he saw something in Noah. So why are you living a sinful life? And say, I I haven't experienced God. I haven't sensed His presence. I I mean, what's going on here? Well, I look at it like this. If He's used every man in the Bible, and most of the time He says they were just or called, that they live a righteous life before Him. I didn't say perfect. I said righteous, a blameless life. A life that is honorable to God. So... We continue. Most of us will say, well, most of us are just going through the motions of our Christian life. But I love this. Noah was righteous, he was blameless, and he walked with God. When, when you've seen some of the greatest people in your life, just grandpas and grandmas, aunts and uncles, isn't it wonderful to say that individual walked with God? Isn't it wonderful to say that, man, they just had a testimony that just was like on fire for him. Man, he moved and he changed the course of life. Oh, excuse me, Pastor. I don't really have anybody like that in my life. Well, then you become the first person that God can look down upon and say he was a righteous man and a blameless man. And quit justifying the iniquities of sin. And it says here in verse 10, And Noah begat three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. The earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. And God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt. For all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. And God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. And then he then commands Noah, and he says, do this. Make thee an ark of gopher wood. Rooms shalt thou make in the ark, and shalt pitch it within and without with pitch. And this is the fashion which thou shalt make it. The length of the ark shall be 300 cubits, the breadth of it 50 cubits, and the height of it 30 cubits. And uh, I won't go into all the, the dimensions, so on and so forth, but, and bore you with that. But it says in verse 16, a window shalt thou make to the ark, and in a cubit shalt thou finish it above, and the door of the ark Shalt thou set it in the side thereof with lower, second, and third story shalt thou make it. Can you imagine? First, second, third story. I wonder if they had an elevator. And behold, I, even I, do bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh wherein is the breath of life from under heaven, and everything that is in earth shall die. But with thee will I establish my covenant... We know what the covenant was, and we'll see that shortly. And thou shalt come into the ark, thou and thy sons and thy wife and thy sons' wives with thee. And, every, and of every living thing of all flesh, two of every sort, shalt thou bring into the ark, and to keep them alive with thee, they shall be male and female. Of fowls after their kind, and of the cattle after their kind, of every creeping thing of the earth after his kind, to every sort shall come into thee to keep them alive. And take thou unto thee of all food that is eaten, and thou shalt gather it to thee, and it shall be for food for thee and for them. Thus did Noah according to all that God commanded him. So did he. According to all that God commanded him, so did he. According to all that God commanded him, so did he. 
walking in the neighborhood this morning and God said to me, he was a man of obedience. He listened. Wait a minute. But was he called of God? Certainly he was called of God. He was a pastor. He heard the voice of God. A man of obedience. We never know the outcome. I mean, can you imagine? Go build an ark. I'm going to build a boat that's this, this, this wide, that dimension, and it's going to have stories, and this is what I'm going to do. And that's weird. That's really weird. Everybody around me thinks I'm a schizophrenic, and I've lost my mind, and I'm just, I don't know what I'm thinking because we've not had any rain. Well, how do you know that? Well, let's look back to Genesis chapter 2, verse 5. I think that's what it is. Genesis 2. still turning I'm almost there there it is and every plant of the field before it was in the earth and every herb of the field before it grew for the Lord God had not caused it to rain upon the earth and there was not a man to till the ground Mm, that's a pondering thought isn't it that's amazing when you look at scripture to think wow God told him to do something he obeyed it why is it if it doesn't agree with you you don't like it starting to sweat pastor why is it if it don't agree with you you don't like it God wants a willing obedient servant and I love Noah because I get it he wants all of us to be called he wants us to be blameless and set apart and I'm talking about some of you teenagers as well. It starts at a young age, and you learned last week in Second Samuel that God called a young man to do a great work. God can still call you to do a great work. So here it wasn't raining, and he's saying, go do this, build that, it's going to rain. And Noah said, okay, Lord, this is what I'm going to do. And, and so he went ahead and did it. In Genesis chapter 5, it talks about even Enoch, who walked with God and begat and begat, and everybody begat each other, and tells that the whole genealogical line there. And Noah appears on, and, and he also says that he walked with God. Let's look at Matthew chapter 24, 37, and 38. Matthew 24... Matthew chapter 24, verses 37 and 38. Let's just back up to verse 36. It says, But of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. You guys, don't, don't save up here this October. Somebody said something else is going to be taking place. Well, good, I can't wait because I'm going to heaven, whatever happens. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered into the ark. And knew not until the flood came and took them all away, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Okay, now I also want you to look in Luke chapter 17. That's Matthew, Mark, Luke. Luke chapter 17, verse 26 and 27. Luke chapter 17, verse 26 and 27, it says, 
And as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be also in the days of the Son of Man. They did eat, they drank, they married wives, they were given a marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Now what I want you to do is turn to 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 5. 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 5. And it says in verse 5, And spared not the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth person. And it says, A preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly, and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overthrow, making them an example unto those that after should live ungodly and deliver just lot, vexed with filthy conversation of the wicked, for that righteous man dwelling among them in seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. But it says, the preacher of righteousness. Now we're back into Genesis chapter 6. Are you still with me? Is everybody following me here? Welcome to theology class 101. So Noah enters the ark. The flood comes, the flood came, the waters recede, that's in chapter 8. He then goes ahead and he sends out a raven and a dove. The dove comes back and after the dove comes back in and he flies back in the window, he notices that he has a leaf. So he says, wow, there's land. I'm speeding up here. And then Noah and his family leave the ark. Noah does exactly what God tells him again to do. He's obedient in verses 20 through 22 in chapter 8 of Genesis. And he builds an altar for God. And then it says in 9, And God blessed Noah and his sons and said unto them in verse 1, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. He made a covenant then with Noah. And God said in verse 12 of chapter 9, This is the token of the covenant which I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for the perpetual generations. I do set my bow, my rainbow in the cloud, and it shall be for a token of a covenant between me and the earth. And it shall come to pass when I bring a cloud over the earth and the bow shall be seen in the cloud. You have not because you ask not. Ask and it shall be given unto you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. To experience immeasurable favor, you must rid yourself of that small-minded thinking and start expecting God's blessings. Start anticipating promotion, supernatural increase. You must conceive it in your heart and mind before you can receive it. In other words, you must make room for increase in your own thinking. Then God will bring those things to pass until you learn how to enlarge your vision, seeing the future through your eyes of faith. Your own wrong thinking will prevent good things from happening in your life. God will not pour fresh creative ideas and blessings into old attitudes. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. You've heard the story of Noah. It said that he was called. He was a just man. 
And he did what God told him to do. What would have happened? Now, it says he was a pastor of righteousness. It's my responsibility as a pastor to lead a congregation. That's the Bible. It's not up to the 12 disciples to tell Jesus what to do. It was up to Jesus to tell the disciples his fathers well and want them to do and tell them what to do. God gives vision. God gives awareness. He always does what? He increases our faith continually. That's what I love about the story of Noah. Where are you at? What have you done? Where are you faltering in your walk with Christ? I have to say that as I look at the story of Noah, he was obedient. It took place when everybody else said, don't do it. It'll never take place. And he continued to move forward and to move forward and to move forward. And then it says, I love the word covenant. God uses that word all through scripture. You'll see the word covenant. Covenant means agreement. And so he made an agreement with Noah. But what was the rest of the story? Did Noah lose heart? Did he lose sight? He, he did. And God removed his favor and blessing from his life. See, didn't I read back here in verse... Let me go back to that. And Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. You know what those boys did? They loved their daddy. And it says, as you proceed to go through the rest of the chapters, that Noah became so drunk with wine that he was naked. And his sons walked in, and they took it, and it said, you know, as I look at it, I think it's a big, huge garment, and they covered him because they didn't want him to feel this level of shame. But then pride increased within his heart, and then he cursed his son. He said, who did this? See, isn't that the way that the church should be? Shouldn't we pray for our leaders? Shouldn't we pray for a pastor? I'm going to tell you exactly how I feel. And this is my heart because I'm your pastor. I sat on my porch the other day and I said, you know, I just need to know that today my deacons are praying for me. I just need to know today that my trustees are praying for me. I, now, I'm sharing my heart. Don't condemn me because I'm not judging you. But I know that I walk and I talk with the Lord and I uplift you in prayer. You see, we can all lose sight and vision if we're not obedient. And I just want you to be obedient to the calling of God. And I want you to know that I stand up here today as a pastor to say, I'm listening closely to God. And I want to take this church not just to these four walls, but it'd be nice if it went out, it went up, and it went abroad. Because God didn't stop with his vision eight years ago. And I'm not done. And I'm here to tell all of you that, that I'm going on. There are seasons that even I'm sure Noah had, because it took him forever to build that ark. What's going on here, Lord? 
what's going on here, Lord. But we have to know that it's an obedient heart that follows the heart of God. Have you yielded your heart to Him? Are you enlarging your vision? If He said to do something, then do it. For some of you, you're probably pondering the thought in your mind, why in the world did I ever go down to Tri-City Nissan? I don't know. There was a building for sale. I went and looked at it. God told me, go there. I called. I did exactly what He told me to do. And I'm thankful that I was obedient. It doesn't matter what God told you. Because if you could show me in Scripture where God said that you're supposed to be moved by the Spirit and say, yay, nay, let's go this way, that way, up way, down way, then I'll believe you. But I was obedient. And I will tell you that I struggle within my spirit. I'm like, how did this happen? He sold that building. And I love it because I'm giving a story today. But God is starting to reveal himself to me. And I love it. Because it had nothing to do with that building. It had everything to do with my obedience. And that's what God wants from every single one of us. People told me, preacher, we only bring in 600 $700. Ask Leslie Young's. We were a poor little church. We'll never be able to afford Riverside Drive. But my father owns a cattle on a thousand hills and he'll give me whatever I, we need to continue to do his work to build his kingdom. Amen. That's being obedient. And so I said, well, if God be for us, who can be against us? We're moving in that building. Had a wonderful time last evening. And I want to share this with you. Because I want to do what God wants me to do. And I want you to all know too that with the building, I am thankful that God told me to put on the brakes. I did. I, I actually got in my little automobile, slammed on the brakes, and I knew God stopped me. And if, if it took a building for me to stop this addition from a $700,000 addition, thank the Lord because we can't afford it. But the way we're reevaluating some things, and I spoke with George Winkleman, and I'm bringing this before the church because I want you to know that we might be able to do some other things that now collectively some of you have shared your thoughts and feelings with me. And I love that. Because I love your wisdom and insight. But at the end of the day, all I want to do is please God. At the end of the day, I want to make sure that I was a good steward of his money. I was a good steward of everything. My time's talent tied everything. And so we're looking at some things and maybe not even half that money. We'll be able to do a lot more other things that we'll be able to continue to minister here in North Hill. Right here in this area. But I'm still going to do whatever God wants me to do. I just want to pray. And as I'm praying, I want you to pray that God will do the same exact thing and that all of us together as a church and as a body will be obedient to what his will is, not mine, not yours. That's a church body. That's all of us working together. And that's what I love about Noah. And this morning as I was walking, this wasn't even part of my message. But God brought this text to me, and so it really has resonated with me. Because I have been crying out to God saying, Lord, I just want to do your will. Well, he said, and Todd, I just want you to be obedient to me. And he uses his word to speak to us. Last evening, I'll share this story with you, and I'm closing. But last evening, as I was talking to a gentleman who's in our neighborhood, he lives across the street two doors down. We were talking about all the renovations because of the hailstorm last year. 
And he proceeds to tell me, and I've really come to like this guy because some of you don't know, but your pastor, if it wasn't for my lovely wife who always tells me, would you get rid of that stuff and throw it away or give it to somebody, do whatever you need to do with it, but it's cluttering up my house, I would be, I must admit it, a hoarder and a junk collector. I love my junk store. Some of you might be surprised over that, but just give me a day where I can go through junk stores and, and I'm happy. And uh, everybody's junk's my trade. I just, I love junk. And... Uh, so anyhow, I, I kind of resonated with him because he says, I was over here and, you know, at Habitat for Humanity, I was able to get these shingles and so on and so forth. And I'm like, wow, really? He goes, yeah, but there was one catch to it. And my eyebrow raised. I'm like, one catch to what? He's like, the only way I could get these shingles for the price that he quoted me was if I took a steeple. I said, what did you just say? Now, you got to remember that, you know... I'm comfortable in my setting. I love you. You guys are my family. Isn't it great to sit in your living room and sup with your family? But get out of that element. It's somewhat awkward. So last night, it's a little awkward for me. But, you know, I'm there and, and I'm fellowshipping and getting to know some of our wonderful neighbors. But, uh, you know, as he said that to me, I gave him one of these looks. You know, and he's probably thinking, well, what's with the eyebrow raise and all that? And I said, you have a what? He said, I was supposed to take the steeple. Matter of fact, it's so big that I can't even, what, what am I going to do? I looked at my wife and said, can I put it on the garage? She goes, you're not putting that steeple on our garage. And I looked at him, I said, with this attitude, can I buy that steeple from you? I said, he's like, well, what do you mean? I'm like, well, our church, we've talked about it. I've, I said, there's a man in our church. I don't know if you've seen Talmadge Home Maintenance. He says, I'm going to build one, design one, whatever. And he's like, so you need a steeple? I said, yeah, we need a steeple. We got all the people. We just need the steeple. And uh, so, anyhow, so anyhow, he's like, okay. And he looked at me and he said, if you go get that steeple, it's yours for free. I said, he goes, do you know how much they cost? He goes, I decided to Google it. Do you know a steeple's like ten to $12,000? I said, uh-huh. I don't have ten, twelve thousand dollars. I'm broke. But our father owns a cattle on a thousand hills, and he does, and he provides. And so, I'm thankful that in the midst of it all, that I decided to go last night to be not just as I said last week, not just to be a light, but to be salt and light, and to be a blessing, as he was a blessing to me. And so, how thankful I am. And so I said, well, I will get together with my trustees this week and we'll go pick up that fiberglass steeple and uh i've wanted one on there just because i think it's beautiful in the community and there's a reason for a steeple and sometime i'll preach on that but uh it really lets people know that the christ is a part of them what a nice compliment to this building before we we do some of the renovations but i say all this to say i've stood outside ron have we not stood out there and pictured a steeple on this building we're obedient and now I'm just waiting to see what God's going to do next. I'm just a simple man with a simple heart for God. I, I don't have much flair. I don't have a doctorate. But I want to make a difference. Not just in North Hill, but in Summit County and Stark County and Portage County. And I know that the vision for this church has not gone away. And I'm going to continue to keep on for him.
And it's because of you and because of us collectively that we've brought hope, listen church, to not just hundreds of people, but to thousands of people. Continue being obedient. Will you continue to keep on for Him? Don't give up. Don't lose sight. And I say all that to say, this message is for me. I walk in the mornings because I I desire a relationship with God. I spend time in my quiet moments because I want a relationship with God. And I'll tell you why. Because I don't want, when he picks up the phone to talk to me, that I haven't picked up my phone to talk to him. If Noah would not have listened, who knows where we would be today? And I'm speaking to even the young people. Listen to me closely. Don't just come to church because mom and dad tells you to. Be obedient because God wants you to. Make a difference because God wants you to. Live a life that's honorable because God wants you to. Noah was a simple man, but he was an obedient man. Will you be obedient to him today? He's tugging at your heart. He's crying out to you. How much more does he have to do before the flood comes and washes away your sinful soul? God needs you today. Will you surrender to him? Are you hungry for him? Are you crying out to him? Will you take God's word and apply it to your life? Speak his word with power and with authority because you are a representative of Almighty God. Let us pray. Father, we come to you today, humble but yet thankful for calling such a man to do such a great work. Noah, a man who was highly favored of God. Father, you said in in your word, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and I will heal their land. Father, would you hear the cries of your people today to turn from their wickedness, to seek your face, and to not just be light, but to be salt to this unseasoned world. Father, help me to be obedient to you. Help me to hear your voice. Help me to follow in your footsteps. And Father, bless your church so that they too will learn what obedience truly represents. In your name we pray. Amen.